Thank you, worship team. Boy, what a, what a beautiful song. And it really, I think, it displays the sentiments in my heart as I look around and I just see so many familiar faces and I see that so many are, are walking with God. You, I remember, in some cases, the days you made that first decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. And here you are today, still walking with him, still loving him. And God has been good to all of us. I look over in the front here and I see grandchildren that didn't exist when I started. Uh, Pastor Teresa and I started ministering here in this church and, uh, and Ben and Julie and uh, Megan, the uh, daughters-in-law and son-in-law that God gave to us and lovely grandchildren. And you know, when, when you and I choose to live for God, God promises a blessing of life and we have received that blessing and our grandchildren are just such lovely children. We just thank God that, that our children all found uh, spouses that are good people and godly people. We're just so, so thankful for the blessing of the Lord that's been on our home. And uh, when you serve God, that's exactly what he promises to do for you. I'm very thankful for this pulpit, as I said this morning, today. And uh, I, I, I'm always uncomfortable behind those little skinny, curvy things. That I'm always afraid to break them, you know. And just, this, is, this is a preacher's pulpit. And, and I, th I think it's uh, very fitting for you, Pastor Tim, because you are a genuine preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we do thank God for you with all of our heart. Thank God. You know, this is the second time today we will be uh, installing Pastor Tim and his wife Cindy as uh, the new leadership pastor and couple in this church. And there's an old carpenter's rule that if you measure twice, the piece that you cut will be just perfect. It will fit right in. So this is, based on that rule, we're, we're inducting Pastor Tim twice in a senior pastor of Times Square Church. When you measure twice, the end product fits just right. It's not too short and it's not too long. We don't want you to be here too short, Pastor Tim, or, but just right. Just the prescribed time that God has brought you here for. And we pray for you and for Cindy and for all of the children that the richest blessing of God would be your portion, that he would keep you, that he would strengthen you, that all the days that you serve him here would be a blessing, that we would stand with you through flood and fire and trial and blessing. We'll rejoice with you, we'll weep with you, and um, always be there to be a shoulder that you can lean on and to support you in whatever God calls you to do. It has been such a privilege to be here, and uh, I'm very, very moved inside today by the words that uh, the Lord used, so many to speak, but particularly my wife, Teresa, who has been, as the scripture says, a fruitful vine on the sides of my house. Uh, she has endured me, and she has believed that, that God had the power to change my life and given me the grace to let him do that, to let him do the change. And the greatest compliment she's ever paid me in my entire life is not about preaching or suits or how I look behind the pulpit, as nice as all of that is, but that she told me one time, she said, I feel safe with you and I trust you. And for a husband and for a pastor, there, I don't think there's a greater compliment that the person who lives with you could actually say. The Lord has used Pastor Teresa in an incredible capacity in, in our Bible school here at Times Square Church. It's been a deep sacrifice for her 
and for me to be a, a part of the measure we have been in the last decade. But we would be hypocritical if we stood in these pulpits and encouraged you to live for God with all your heart and to obey the Spirit as he leads if we were not willing to do that ourselves. There is always a price to be paid, and there will always be a sacrifice that has to be made on the behalf of those that God will use for the sake of others and for the sake of his kingdom. And uh, so please be in prayer for Pastor Tim and Cindy. There are pressures involved in ministry, in particular in this city, that most people don't know anything about. I think all hell is, is pitted against a testimony like this one that God has established. Because when David Wilkerson came here and the Lord used him to found this church, uh, he told him that this church would be a lighthouse in a very darkened time coming in this world. And now we're coming into that time of, of, of increasing darkness throughout the world. And the light of this church is shining farther and brighter than it ever has throughout history. So I want to challenge you to sincerely uphold your pastor in prayer. I will be doing that. Please join with me. Uphold Pastor Tim and Cindy and the children in prayer that God will give them strength, God give them vision, God give them times of love and joy and laughter, as well as the, the burden that will be obviously here in leading this kind of a ministry at this time. What a privilege it is for me to be here today and to, to know that you are being put into the hands of a man of God. This is amazing. I, I, I love it. My heart is rejoicing. I'm glad every step of the day to be able to look out and know that you're going to be sitting under the leadership of a man who has a word from God. Pastor Tim is a man of prayer. He's a man of courage. You can't pastor a church in a triple X-rated theater district in Detroit without being a man of courage. He's not backed away from a spiritual fight all of his life, and he won't back away from the one that's here. I thank God for just knowing he comes in this sanctuary on Saturday night to pray over every seat here, to pray that God would bless you and strengthen you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. So this is the kind of a pastor that you want to lead this church into the future, and he is the pastor that God has chosen. There has been no committee, there have been no resumes. I've never looked at your resume, as I said, I should have, I suppose, but I never have. Um, he's been in this pulpit as a friend, came here when we really needed him in a season of, of, of very real difficulty and for Pastor David and I both. And he was faithfully would come here from Detroit once a month for years and help us uh, by giving us uh, the, the break that we needed to regain our own strength. So, Pastor Tim, I'm forever grateful to you. It's, it's really a pleasure to say I love you and I count you as one of my best friends. So I just thank God for that with all my heart. You're, you're a good man. And so, Father, now as I take a moment to just open your word today. God, in this, in this beautiful service where Pastor Tim, who's already the senior pastor of this church, is simply being formally recognized by us. He was recognized by you a long time ago. Lord, we thank you, God, that as this word is unlocked, it will give us strength. It will help to give us deeper vision for the future. Give all of us the, the peace in our minds and in our hearts that we need to undertake the journey that is now before us. I ask you, Lord, that you would bring us together as one body with one voice. On the day of Pentecost, you said they were all in one accord and in one place. So help us, Lord, wherever there might be discord, wherever we're not together in one place, bring us together by the power of the Holy Spirit. For you promised in Psalm 133 that when brethren dwell together in unity, 
In that place, you command the blessing of life. Command life to come from this church, Lord. Command that blessing, my God, on the internet, in homes, everywhere where the message, the word of God, where the songs of praise are sung from this church. Let there be life, God, in the midst of a crooked and perverse time in which we live where evil is being called good and good is being called evil. Let the testimony of your presence and power emanate from this church as we choose to do what is right in your sight. And Father, I thank you for it and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 2, a phenomenal moment in the history or the testimony of, of God's presence among his people on the earth. The apostle Peter was going to get up the day of Pentecost had come 120 people, 120 ordinary people like you and I. 120 people who had failed. They all knew they had failed. Peter was in the upper room and he had cursed with an oath and said, I don't know them. And he cursed himself. You know, technically the oath that he took under Old Testament law was simply this. May God kill me if I'm, if I'm not telling you the truth. I mean, that was the oath he took in a sense. And, you know, I mean, he must have been afraid at some point, but he certainly knew he had failed. John, who professed his, his deepest love and loyalty, leaned on his, we, we, we uh, almost romantically look at that, that passage of scripture where he's leaning, oh, I just love you so much, Jesus, at the Last Supper, but yet when his turn came to stand, he ran out of the garden and fled like everybody else. So here they are. Everybody knew that their own love and loyalty and boasting and bragging amounted to nothing. All of them were just ordinary people who could not serve God without the presence of God or the power of God. And here they are in an upper room and they're seeking him and suddenly the scripture says that a sound as of a rushing mighty wind filled that place where they were gathered and, and they began to speak in other languages, known languages actually, that they had never learned. And they were speaking about the wonderful things that God had done, is doing, and is going to do. And they were doing it in a way with an empowerment of God that the people who are passing by from all over the world who had been there for a, a specific feast, and they knew, they said, these, these people are speaking to us in a way that we can understand them. And we know that the power with which they're communicating was given to them supernaturally because they've never learned how to do this. You know, when you fully surrender to Christ, he does give you the power to speak to people of other cultures. In other places, he does, there's, a, there's a wisdom that comes from God, an empowerment of God. And so as they spoke, some people mocked them and said, oh, they're all drunk. It's the, you know, they've all been into the, there must be some new wine that's been made and they've all been into it. And so the mockers just kind of more or less just kept on going and keep on mocking. And, and there'll always be mockers. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. These mockers are coming from the temple. These mockers have been supposedly worshiping God. And God is now doing something that only God can do. And as he's doing it, the mockers are there mocking it. And you'll always, whenever God does something new, you'll always have mockers. And they'll always say, no, this isn't God, couldn't be God. God doesn't do things this way. And they just kind of keep on walking. And un unfortunately, that's what we have to go through sometimes when the Lord starts moving his church into what he's determined to do in the future. There's others that are are walking by this particular moment and they're curious about what is happening, and the, but the questions of their heart have not yet been answered. And then there's a third category of people who just say, this is God, and wherever he's going, I'm going with him. Peter stood up and said these words. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the, the, the people coming from the temple on this day, there was at least 3,000. I, I would venture it's probably double that, that of coming, passing by these 120 people in the marketplace that are talking about this incredible, wonderful thing that God's willing to do in the hearts of those that are surrendered to him. And they would have known this scripture, but it, it was a scripture that everybody just kind of put away to another time, maybe another people. It can't possibly be me that God is talking about. But it was, it was almost incredulous, this, this thought that one day, this, this, at, up to this point, it was a selective anointing. It, they knew Elijah had been anointed to bring down you know, the power of God, to outrun a chariot and all the rest of these things. They, they knew that David was anointed to fight Goliath. Esther was anointed with an incredible wisdom to, to undo a plot to kill the people of God. They, they knew all of these things, but it was just for a select few. But there was a, a man in the Old Testament called Joel who saw a day coming when it wouldn't be an anointing for just a few, but it would be a whosoever will anointing. That there would be a people who would be strong, they would be able to do exploits. And it wouldn't be just for a select number of leaders in the church, but it would be for our sons and for our daughters. They would prophesy. In other words, they would understand the words of God and begin to speak the words of God in agreement with God, and they would begin to move into where the words of God are leading them. The young men would see visions. In other words, they, they would be given an enablement of God to build the kingdom of God. May I put it that way? To, to, to see the kingdom of God advance with the natural strength that youth brings into the work of God. And then it says, your old men shall dream dreams. Now, you know, you expect old men to dream dreams, but this is not really, it's not a natural thing he's talking about. What he's speaking about is that the older men among you will not live in the past. You know, and naturally, without God, when, when men and women get older, they have a tendency just to talk about yesterday, the good old days and what happened way back then, and, and tell the old stories, which is great. We should do some of that because it's important to know where we've come from to be able to chart our way forward to where we're going. But you see, the old men will be given a, an understanding of where the kingdom of God is going. And they'll, be able to, they'll see something into the future, and they'll not be just living to, to talk about the past, but they will see something that's ahead, embrace it, and maybe, maybe help the younger men become a guide or just a voice, or just to be able to speak to those who have the strength and are given of God the skill set to actually do the things that God is speaking. And it's not just for the few. It says, on my men servants, on my maid servants, I'll pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. There's no big people in the kingdom of God. There's no little people in the kingdom of God. Same spirit, same power to everybody. And it will culminate, of course, in the return of Christ. We began to enter the last days on the day of Pentecost, and it will finish when the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon will be turned into blood before the coming 
of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And there will be this incredible ingathering of souls in the last days, because the Bible tells us this is going to happen. There's going to be, I believe, an end time outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, a mercy call in this last generation. It doesn't mean the world's all going to change and go, everything's going to go well. No, as a matter of fact, the Bible seems to indicate this whole world is going to be dissolved. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be famines and earthquakes and trials and difficulties. We understand that. But there's going to be a great and glorious visitation of God. And many, many, many people are going to find him as Lord and Savior. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Yes, I, I can envision in my mind, these people are coming home from the temple. They, they see 120 people standing in the marketplace, speaking with an ability that could only come from God, speaking about God, speaking about what God is doing and he's going to do it. And, and they're doing it with a power that is obvious that, that they don't have. It's, it's a new thing. So you have the mockers that say, no, this is, this is all nuts. We're not going with this. We, we like the temple. We, we want to continue going to the temple. We like the, the, the feasts and the sacrifices and the rigidity and the formality. And we like the smoke and the chanting and all the rest of it. And this has become our comfort. And we don't want this anything to change. It's funny, you know, these are the same people that knew the history of, of the people of Israel. How the, when the cloud moved, they, those who moved with it, we're moving closer and closer into the promise and the power of God and the provision of God. But they, they don't want to move with God because they've grown accustomed to the familiar. They, they found their comfort there. And this, uh, this is uh, a little too radical for them. They don't, they don't want to embrace it. Even though it is God, it's God's plan. You and I know that today. But there's a lot of people there that just said, no, we, we see the new, but we like the old better. And we're going to stay with the old. We don't want to go where God is leading us. But 3,000 people who had just come, who had hungry hearts, they saw that this is, being, this is happening in an unpopular time, too, as well, don't forget. The Savior has just been crucified. The, the people of that society are not in the mood for his followers. And the 3,000 knew to embrace this direction that God's now leading his people and is going to be a personal cost associated with this. But yet, in spite of it, they saw something. Every heart... Every heart that is engaged with the work of every heart that wants to live for God, there's a, there's a recognition that when God is moving, I want to move with him. I, I don't want to, yes, go ahead and clap. I don't want to stay stuck in an old place. When God is moving into something that is going to bring honor and glory, it didn't look very uh, appealing. They, they didn't have any banners. They had no high tech. They, had, they didn't have a building. And nothing, but they had everything. They had the presence of God inside. And they didn't even know where they were going, but they knew God was taking them there. And 3,000 people that had all, of their, all their ducks lined up, spiritually speaking, and they, everything was all in order, suddenly saw this and they said, we're going with God. I'm going to go with God. I'm going to go where God is going. And I had this conversation with Pastor Teresa a while back, and I said, we have always said yes all of our lives when he has led us. Let's never get to the point where we say no now. Let's never get to the point where we're just comfortable, and let's not get to the point where we start mapping out our own future and our own lives, because we don't know what God wants to do, but we do know one thing, where he's going, I want to go with him. I, I want to be part of what God is doing. And the scripture says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. 
And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So here was, you see, the religion up to this point was just in the temple. Everything was associated with the temple. If you wanted to pray, you went to the temple. You wanted to worship, you go to the temple. You want to you offer a sacrifice for sin, you go to the temple. Everything is in the temple. But something new was happening. It was going, there was going to be a change of sorts because it was going to be in the temple and from house to house. I was praying several years ago because I was very concerned about the future of this church. God, what is going to happen to Times Square Church in the future? I, I started to sense in my heart that my own tenure was coming to that season of close, and I, I didn't see a way forward into the future. I said, God, what are you going to do? What is your plan for this church? I would come in here sometimes on Saturday night, as Pastor Tim does now, and walk up and down the aisles and pray for you. Pray for the people. Say, God, what's going to happen to the people? How are you going to lead this church? What is this church going to be? And as I began to sincerely ask him, he began to sincerely answer me. And I saw something I hadn't anticipated, that this end time church that he is raising up around the globe is going to be in the temple and in homes. I didn't know how this was going to happen. I, didn't, I could see it. I started to speak to our staff about it. But I, I didn't understand, how is this going to happen? How are we going to be in the temple and in homes at the same time? And I saw the scripture where it says the Lord was adding to the church daily, but he was adding to the church in the homes. It wasn't necessarily in the temple. It was in the homes where people were gathering. It was in the homes where they were breaking bread, studying truth, having prayer and fellowship. It was in the homes where God was going to start bringing in neighbors and friends and, and, and strangers and family and associates and they were going to come in and God was going to fill them with the Holy Spirit and the church was going to meet in the temple at specified seasons, but also they were going to meet in homes. And I, I couldn't fully understand it, but I, I started to see something in my spirit. I started to see spiritual fires burning in homes towns and cities all over America and all over the world. Yes, there is a, there is a, a natural fire that's happening as the result of, of, of the incivility of man to man and the discontent in our society and all the rest of it. And you're all aware of it because you're seeing the news. But I saw another set of fires burning. It was the fires of revival. And it wasn't in temples, it was in homes. God was doing something in the homes. David Wilkerson once said he saw a thousand fires burning in New York City, and we were on the platform one Sunday, and I leaned over to him, and I says, you don't suppose the thousand fires you saw were the thousand fires of revival in homes? And he looked at me and goes, huh. Now, you know that a huh from Pastor David is a resounding, wow, I never thought of it that way before. You might be right. Yes, we might experience some calamity in the future. I don't know what the, that's going to be, but... I believe that we can, we can live to see God sending revival into our communities because people will come to your house or won't go to your church. You understand that? All over the world, they'll come to somebody's house. Your neighbor will come to your house. Your, your associates will come. Your kids will come. Others will come because in the house is not as threatening as the church. They can come in and they don't feel like they have to wear their best Sunday clothes. They don't feel like they're going to be embarrassed if they have to go out in the middle of the service for whatever reason. They can come to your house, they can leave your house, there's, there's, there's fellowship, it's friendly, there's breaking of bread, there's prayers there. 
The church is going to finish before Christ comes the way the church started. The church started in the temple and in homes, and the church is going to finish in the temple and in homes all over the world in our generation. David Wilkerson once told me, he said that God told him to come to the city and warn the city of impending judgment. And so that's been done for a lot of years. He started that. I carried that for a season. He said, but after we've warned and when, when what we've warned about starts to manifest in our society, then the mandate of the church is to gather a people to Christ. Praise be to God. The warning is done. The gathering has begun. I believe that with all of my heart. The gathering has begun. He said Times Square Church is going to be a lighthouse in a very darkened day. And the darker it gets in the world, the farther the beam of God's light is going to shine from this sanctuary. And now we're having a prayer meeting in 211 countries and dependencies around the world. And the, the word and the teaching that is coming from this church is going to go out on the internet into homes in many, many, many of these places. Everything that God has spoken is coming to pass just the way he said it was going to happen. Peter stood up and suddenly something that was promised, it was only promised, but it had never been fully realized. Suddenly on, on, a, on a specific day, it happens. And Peter stands up and he says to the people, I love the original King James, and I'd quote it, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that. Everybody maybe had something in their mind about what it's going, supposed to look like in the day of God's visitation. But sudden, and, and for many, it might have looked strange. I didn't think it was going to happen this way. These people? Th in that upper room? I mean, is, is, isn't this going to be reserved for the, the ecclesia, for those that have gone to Jerusalem Bible College? All these failures in an upper room, and here they are, empowered by the Spirit of God. And Peter said, this is that. And as I look, Pastor Tim, as I look at what you've done in the last 18 months, and what God's put on your heart. I didn't put it there. God put it on your heart. And how you have been focusing on home fellowships, connect groups throughout the world. You've been preparing teaching that's going to go out on the internet into these groups. We've been asking people to stay now and pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the connect groups. I can honestly stand here. I can honestly, before God, stand here today and say, this is that which God spoke to my heart about this church. And Pastor Tim Delina is the man that God has anointed and called to lead us at this time. I am so thankful for the past. I really am. I'm thankful. I have so many memories in this sanctuary. It's just, it's amazing. I'm just thankful with all my heart, but I'm not going to live there. I'm going to remember it and I'm going to appreciate it, but I'm not going to live there. You see, because God is doing something. God is moving in a way that's going to bring glory to his name. God is, God is moving in a way that's going to give, I believe, hundreds of thousands, perhaps in the millions of people, an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I thank God, Pastor Tim, I really do, that every service you finish with the ABCs of salvation. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Because if we go out with this great message and don't tell people how it works, then it's just been a great message and they don't know how it works and they don't open their hearts to receive Christ as their Savior. I thank God for that with all of my heart. Pastor Tim, just as I was, I was brought here by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a long story. I don't have time to tell it, but if I did, you would know. I was brought here by the Holy Spirit 
And in the same way, so were you. We were sitting in a restaurant. I was welcoming Pastor Tim to the area, and we were talking about things we could do in the future together. And during the conversation in the restaurant, suddenly he disappeared. I mean, he didn't disappear. I mean, I just, he was still there. I mean, but he was speaking, and I wasn't hearing him anymore. My wife says I do that quite often, by the way. So. And the Lord started speaking to me and said, this man is your replacement. Not right now. It's going to take you several years. But he's the man that I have chosen to lead the church. And his leadership will begin. This is what the Lord told me. And I told him this later on. His leadership will begin in a season of crisis. He arrived at the church just shortly around the season of COVID. And the church shut down and this worldwide pandemic, and all that's going to follow it in the days ahead, appointed by God to lead at this time. And so I thank God for the past. I thank God for the present. And I thank God with all my heart for the future. Whenever God begins to move and do something new, there will always be a people who just won't go with it. When I came, I told Pastor Tim this morning, I said, if you think it's hard to follow me, <laughs> try following David Wilkerson. I had people grit their teeth at me and tell me straight out, I'll stay here, but not for you. I didn't come here to listen to you. I'm going to listen to Pastor Dave on, uh, on, on uh, tapes at that time, and I'll, I will literally endure you on Sunday morning, but I'm here. So you, you just have to roll with it. There'll always be, it's going to happen to you, it happened to me. There'll always be that kind of person. They just don't want to move with where God is going, and I, I get that. And, you, you know, heaven is still your home. Those who are in that condition, just don't be nasty along the way, if please. That's all I ask. Just be nice. You know, Pastor Tim is a good man, and Cindy is a wonderful woman, and they've got a lovely family. They really deserve your support. So support them. As for me and my house, okay, I, I appreciate the past with all my heart. I honestly do. But I'm not going to live there. And if you want to live there, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be living there with you. I'm going with God. I'm going where he's leading us. Where he, they sing that, we sing that song in the church, where he leads me, I will follow. And what a privilege it's going to be to be part. To, I'll be here from time to time. I'll probably get to be a nuisance eventually as I get older and a little more senile. And you'll have to be real kind to me, Pastor Tim, because you're getting old too, and one day it'll all come your way. But I promise, I promise to love you. I promise to support you. Um, and I'll just be there when you need a friend. It's, it's, no, it's, it's just that simple. But I'm packing up my stuff and I'm going with God too. Because this is going to be one incredible journey that's ahead of us. And so for the second time today, we're going to install you. Remember, so that you won't be here too short or, or too long. You'll be here just right. It'll be just the right amount of time as senior pastor of Times Square Church. Folks, you're in good hands with this man. He's a man of prayer. He's got impeccable integrity. And he's not a coward. This pulpit is going to need somebody of courage in the days ahead. Please stand with him. Stand with him in your prayers. Stand with him and his wife Cindy in your, in your speech. Stand with him. And take the journey and watch what God is about to do. You're going to be amazed. I predict 
that in within a few years, it's going to be hard to get a seat in this house. But there'll be seats available all over the world, <laughs> in homes everywhere. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you. God, thank you for the, this incredible day, this good day, Lord, where we know that your hand is upon this church and upon the leadership here. Thank you for the wonderful pastors and elders that have been part of this journey for so long, Lord. Thank you for the choir. Thank you for the orchestra, my God. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us together in unity. Would you help us to speak with one voice and move in one direction and have one goal? Would you deliver us, God, from, from being of a double mind and help us just to take the journey together? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the, the peace that comes into our hearts when we're walking with you, Lord. I bless you, Lord, for just all that you have done and continue to do. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.